I'm not usually the one standing up here on Sunday evenings, but it's, uh, it's good to be able to speak to you uh, this evening. And I want to start off, uh, I'm sure you're going to be super surprised by this, but uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, myself. Uh, I, luckily this time it's not a specific story, it's more of kind of a um, multiple memories kind of packed all into one specific idea. Uh, when I was growing up, when I was in uh, when I was in preschool around that time, and honestly for several years after that, I had a a best friend, and uh, she and I were born four days apart. And uh, shortly after we were born, our parents somehow became friends, and uh, our relationship began, of course, because our parents were friends. And we basically ended up uh, spending a lot of time together, and one thing led to another, and and we were uh, very close friends. Uh, We grew up basically hanging out either uh, at her house, or we would spend a lot of time at my house, or we would go to her grandmother's house, um, get to hang out there. We went to preschool together. Uh, we also went to church together. So we saw a lot of each other all the time. And of course, the more time we spent with each other, the more similar we became and the more we hung out together. And we basically just kind of became uh, conjoined uh, Pretty much. In fact, we, when we were younger, we told people that we were, in fact, twins. And people actually believed us. And then once they met our parents separately, then they realized that we had lied to them. Uh, but we, we would still continue to tell people, oh, no, we're twins. We, you know, we're, uh, and we actually had, uh, we had our fifth birthday party together. We had our seventh birthday party together. Um, and then a little bit of a jump, we had our 16th birthday party together. Um, we actually spent so much time around each other and had so many similar friends uh, and just had a, a lot in common. Um, I can even remember a few times where uh, we were uh, in church, we were you know, uh, together with, with everyone, and we were waiting for our time to get to go to class on that Wednesday night. And before, we, we typically met before we went to class. And uh, just for that short, you know, 10, 15 minutes, uh, where we all met together, it was so hard for us to, uh, to not act up. Uh, I'm not encouraging anyone to act up. But uh, we had a hard time of not finding something absolutely hilarious and distracting ourselves. And then once that happened, of course, our parents kicked in and would end up moving one of us to this side of them and one of us to the other side. And they would sit in the middle and basically wouldn't let us even look at each other. Uh, But that was uh, one of the most memorable, inseparable relationships that, that I've had growing up. Um, that is a person that um, definitely changed a lot of who I was when I was little um, and, and definitely had an impact on who I ended up becoming. Um, that was someone that was, was very close to me uh, during that time. And, and, of course, I continue to remember so many times uh, where we did spend time with one another and all of those memories. Um, 
so leading into all of this, I want to talk about this idea of inseparable. Um, that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. Uh, if you will, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. And uh, we're going to look at uh, a particular passage in Psalm 103 in just a few minutes. But when we think about this idea of inseparable relationships, there is typically some form of, of love that's involved in an inseparable relationship. Whether, of course, that be a kind of a brotherly love, a, a, the love of, of a friend, um, whether that's a romantic love, you know, whatever that's going to be, there has to be some element of, of a love in order to make some relationship to the point of where it's inseparable, to where, to where there are two people that just do not want to separate from each other. Um, and, and kind of going along with this idea, obviously there is a mutual connection in inseparable relationships. Um, a, a relationship that's defined as inseparable it's never going to be a relationship where one person wants to be a part of that and the other person just wants out. Um, that's not the definition of an inseparable relationship. Both sides uh, of this relationship, both people involved, are going to, to want to be a part of that, are going to want to have that connection. There is a, a closeness and a common enjoyment of being around each other in relationships like this. And we're going to continue to look through this and, and define this idea. But I want to look at this passage in Psalm 103. Uh, we're going to look at uh, beginning with verse 8 and going on through verse 13. Uh, it reads, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. As we look through this passage, and, and I want to go ahead and tell you that this is something that was written by David. Uh, this was a psalm of David that we see. And, and there's several different things that we, can, uh, that we can really get from this passage as we read it. And there's two things specifically I want to, I want to look at real quick. Uh, one of the things that we see is how great the Lord's love is for us. When we look kind of later on in this passage, we see two different comparisons that are made. Uh, we see that it says, uh, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Uh, we see kind of a, a definition of how great his love is. And his love is so great that it is the, basically the distance between heaven and earth. And then we also see another comparison here, which is how far he separates our sins from us. Of course, the illustration we see right after this one is we see that it says, as far as the east is from the west, 
So far does he remove our transgressions from us. And the verses leading up to this, we see so many other words that define the Lord uh, as merciful, as gracious, as slow to anger, uh, as abounding in love. Uh, we also see this idea that he will not deal with us according to our sins or our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so he will separate us from our sin. You see, this is what happens when we choose to be inseparable from God. Now, I want to look at this idea, uh, and this is really kind of what I thought about when, when I started putting all of this together. Uh, when I started going through this lesson, this, this whole idea really, really came to me, and, and this is kind of the, uh, the center of this whole idea. And that is that we can see that any sin can separate us from our God. But just as we read in Psalm 103, our God can separate us from any sin. And so we see this idea and we see this take place. And and as we look at this first one, uh, obviously it does not look as good as what we read in this second line. Uh, any sin can separate us from our God is something that, that we also learn from Scripture, specifically uh, Isaiah chapter 59. Uh, and in verse 1 and 2, we know this verse, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. See, in this passage, this is basically uh, basically saying, you know, it's not that the Lord isn't able to hear, and it's not that the Lord isn't able to reach out and go to where you are. It's that you've chosen sin. And when you choose sin, you have a separation. There is a separation that takes place between you and your God. And because of that, he is unable to hear you. He's not able to to be where you are because you are where sin is. And in that situation, that is when we choose to be inseparable from sin. And so we see this idea, and I want to kind of go back uh, to this idea Again, any sin can separate us from our God. When we choose to be inseparable to sin, we are separated from our God. But on the other hand, our God can separate us from any sin. And when we are inseparable to our God, He will keep those sins separate from us. So far as the East is from the West. Now, I want to spend a little bit more time talking about this idea of What takes place when we choose sin? Two different things that I want to look at uh, that really we decide to do. These are things that we are choosing whenever we are choosing sin. When we choose sin, the first thing that I want to look at, uh, when we choose sin, we depart from a relationship with God, with a God who wants to be connected with us. This is a relationship with a creator who desires for us to seek him. 
In Psalm chapter 27, uh, this is, in fact, a, another psalm that, that's written by David. And uh, so we look through this, and beginning in verse 7, uh, this is what we read. It says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me, for you have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O Lord, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Here we see this this idea of, of God saying, seek my face. Look for me. Do the things that you can to be inseparable to me. In this psalm, we see David's desire to seek God. And along with that, we also see God's desire for David and God's desire for us to, to find him. But when we don't choose God, then there is a disconnect from the most important relationship that we could ever have in our lives. And so we look to this passage, we look to this idea, but we understand that when we choose sin, we choose to to separate ourselves from a relationship with a God who, who desperately wants to be connected to us who desperately wants for us to to seek Him, to have a relationship with Him. Because again, that is the most important relationship we can have. The second thing that takes place, or uh, the second thing that that we decide to do when, when we choose sin, is that we choose to begin a relationship that will ultimately destroy us. Uh, We are connecting ourselves to exactly what separates us from God. And, of course, we know this. We we understand this idea. In fact, we just looked at uh, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, uh, and we know that uh, it tells us that sin is what will separate us from our God. But yet, we, we try to justify that. We look at our own lives and and we try to, uh, we really try to find a way to be able to stay close to God and yet also try to have some kind of relationship with, with sin. We try to have this, uh, this relationship set up where we're able to be really inseparable to, to both things. We find ourselves coming to church. Uh, being with the church and, and worshiping our God. And at the same time, we also see ourselves becoming a friend to the sins that can destroy us. And as long as we you know, play it safe and as long as we make sure that we're in control of our own lives, which again is another uh, thing for us not to do, but when we choose to do that, We honestly are in a relationship that will destroy us and we try to justify our sin. 
We try to justify the relationship or the uh, inseparable connection that we have to sin. We see in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, we read that no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And really, it's safe to say that you can put whatever that sin is that might be in your life right now, uh, you can take that and you can put it in uh, the place of that word money. Because what this is really telling us is that we cannot serve two things at once. We cannot serve a God and be inseparable to Him and have a relationship with Him while also pursuing something else entirely. It's not possible. And so we see this verse and we understand that when we show a devotion, when we show a desire to have a connection with sin, when we do that, we stop serving our God. We are making the decision to no longer be connected to Him. Because when sin is in our life, our God cannot be present. Our God cannot be connected to us. Obviously, in the end, as you think about your life and as you think about uh, the, the path that you are able to, to go down, uh, one of these two will be eternally inseparable. Because either we will have a close connection with our God, and we will maintain that, and we will have that close connection with Him for eternity. Or, our transgressions will be what we follow, and they will be connected, and they will stay with us, and they will be what hold us back from our God for eternity. I want to look at a passage in Exodus chapter 34, if you'd like to go there with me. Exodus chapter 34. I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory of what's taking place before we get to the particular passage we're reading. Uh, right before this, a, a chapter, the couple chapters before Exodus 34, this is what I like to call the calf incident. Um, so Moses is, uh, of course, sent up uh, onto the mountain and uh, he is really busy because he is writing down all of the laws that, that God is providing to him and to the people of Israel. And so Moses is busy. He's up here, you know, writing down on these tablets, which, of course, we know uh, tend to be pretty important. And uh, meanwhile, the people that are not on the mountain, that are back, you know, on, on ground level, they are all hanging out and they're saying, uh, Moses is taking a little while. Um, you know, we know that he's busy doing something, but uh, while we wait for him, why don't we build an altar for another God entirely and start worshiping that? And that's what they do. 
Um, and uh, you would even think maybe, uh, maybe Aaron would actually stop them and say, whoa, you guys, this is, this is a crazy idea. Let's not do this. But no, he kind of leads the charge. And uh, so they end up building this altar. They end up creating uh, this golden image, which is a calf. And so they're making this calf and they're worshiping to it. And uh, they have very quickly forgotten the God that has brought them to this point. And so back on the mountain, Moses is, of course, listening to, to God and, and he's writing down these laws. And God basically says to him, obviously I'm paraphrasing here, but, but God says, all right, Moses, let's stop here because you need to go down and deal with what's taking place uh, you know, down below where your people are. And uh, so Moses says, all right, so he stops and he, he takes the tablets and he's walking back down and he's hearing all this noise. And of course, he stumbles upon all of these people worshiping this calf. And uh, Moses is pretty upset. Uh, he, ends up, uh, he ends up breaking the tablets of stone, and uh, he goes and he dismantles the image, and uh, he basically kind of sets everything straight, and uh, he's really not happy about this whole incident. And so finally, after everything is settled and all of the people realize that they've done something terribly wrong, now Moses goes back up onto this mountain, and uh, it's time for, uh, for him and, uh, and God to kind of continue on talking about the law. And of course, now he has to rewrite uh, a couple of these tablets because they were broken. Uh, but we get to this passage in Exodus chapter 34 at this point. So Moses is back with God. And, uh, and we see here what the Lord does in, in response here. Beginning in verse 6 of Exodus chapter 34. The Lord passed before him, uh, before Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. And he said... Behold, I am making a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. When I first looked at this passage and really thought about the response that God had, uh, I, honestly, I was kind of taken aback by uh, how this was handled. Because when we look at Exodus, when we look at a lot of uh, things that take place in, in the Old Testament, and especially during the time of the Israelites, um, there are a lot of times where, uh, where these people do something terrible, 
And of course, God has a, a righteous anger in response, and he, and, uh, he administers a, a punishment that is required for them to understand exactly what was done wrong. But this particular time, we see the Lord uh, say something completely different. Um, nothing against what he would normally say, but just something that shows a lot of, of grace. Because when we think about what Israel had just done, uh, they had just been working towards separating themselves from God, making a conscious decision to basically uh, follow a completely different false God that they themselves had set up. They had just made this decision. They had just done this ridiculous thing. And the Lord recognizes this. But the Lord still says that he is forgiving of their iniquity and their transgression and their sin. And he even says toward the end of this passage, he says, all the people among you will see the work of the Lord. And here we see not only this grace not only this idea that he had of forgiving this iniquity, this sin, but we also see, again, that desire that God has for us to be inseparable to him. Amen. We see exactly how, uh, even as wrong as they got it in that situation, we see how much God wants to show them that he is their God. And that he wants them to follow him. So we see in an, in, uh, in an inseparable relationship. Of course we talked about this idea. There is a mutual love and there is a mutual connection there. Both sides of this relationship have to have that desire and we know that an unmeasurable amount of love has been shown to us by our God already. In 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, we read this, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If we were doubtful of the love that God has shown for us, this passage and this action that he performed should take that away from us. Any doubt that we have about the love that He's showing toward us, about the desire of the inseparable relationship that He wants with us, that doubt should be gone. Because we know that He sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And through that, God wants us to be inseparable from Him. See, when we look throughout the Bible, we, we see a lot of, of different people, uh, very important people, and, and several of them made that decision 
to be inseparable to God. And yes, they, they made their mistakes, but they fixed those mistakes. They did whatever it took in order to have an inseparable relationship with God. But we also see a lot of times there, there's a lot of people in the Bible that chose to, to separate from him. And that one way or another, during their lives, they chose themselves. They chose uh, their sins, their iniquities. They chose the things that they wanted instead of their God. And we can see that all throughout the Bible. And I think today we can see the same thing. I think that we can see people that are choosing God, but we see a lot of people that are choosing to separate from God. And that brings us back to this idea that, that I presented earlier uh, that kind of is, is what really uh, kind of got me on track to, to discuss this whole idea. And that's these two statements any sin can separate us from our God, but our God can separate us from any sin. Really think about that statement. Any sin can separate us from our God, but our God can separate us from any sin. You see, in this psalm that we looked at at the very beginning, in Psalm 103, David uses the same words that were used in Exodus chapter 34. Those same words that the Lord used to, to describe himself to Moses is the same words or are the same words that David used to describe the Lord. And I want to go back to that passage and read it one more time. He says that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide or, or scold, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. The Lord is merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And just as we talked about in the beginning, from the heavens, the distance from the heavens to the earth, that is how great his love is for us. And as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes our transgressions from us. Our God can separate us from any sin. But that brings us to a decision in our own lives. Because we have to decide which relationship is more important. Because it is not a relationship of we can either pick to follow our God or we have to be a part of every single sin 
We have to allow sin to just be in every single uh, avenue, every single part of our life. And if that's the way we look at it, it seems like it's really easy to just say, you know, I'm going to follow God and, and that's that. But that's not, that's not correct. You see, we have to choose God over any one sin. If there is one sin in our lives that we are allowing to take control of us, we are not inseparable to our God. In fact, we are separating ourselves from our God. And so we have to decide which relationship is more important. That one sin that we're allowing to take place in our life or our relationship with our God. Because trying to do both doesn't work. My best friend when I was little, uh, I think it's safe to say that nowadays um, we are not inseparable anymore. Um, she's never been here, so y'all don't even know who she is, really. Um, and uh, in fact, I up until, uh, up until last week, I actually hadn't seen her in uh, a couple of years, I believe. Um, but I actually had the opportunity to get to see her recently, and we caught up, and, you know, she has a completely, you know, she, ha- she got married, has kids, so a whole different family now, and a bunch of people that I don't know, and, um, you know, I think that I can say that, you know, we're no longer inseparable. Um, I see some things she posts on social media, she sees things I post, um, we might send a message here and there, but, but that's it. That relationship is no longer inseparable. And and if you think through your life, there's probably a lot of relationships that maybe were stronger than ever at one point in time, and and maybe they've grown apart. And that's okay, that happens. That's, That's normal. But there is one relationship that regardless of where we are in our lives, it has to be the most important relationship. And that is with our God. That is with our Creator. That is with Jesus, our Savior. And I want you to think about your relationship with Him. Is it the most important relationship in your life? And if you were to define that relationship, would it be defined by this word, inseparable? Would you be able to say that you are inseparable from your God, from your Creator, from your Savior? Maybe you are here this evening.